Take your Bible and just open it right in the middle. Maybe you'll be at Psalm 119 or close by. The 119th Psalm and the 41st verse. Was anyone close? Okay, <laughs> Joanne was close. Told you. When you see people working on power lines, high-rise power lines in the air today, you will probably notice this really big truck down below and this arm that it looks like a crane, the way the arm goes up, and there is a bucket at the top of that arm, and then there's a man comfortably standing in the bucket as he works with very high voltage. That's not the way my dad used to do it. My dad was a lineman, and I can recall as a child, we would be driving down the road, and he would see one of those bucket trucks after he had retired. That's when they came along, pretty much. He never was in one anyway. And he would pull over and he would start talking to the man and he would tell him how he used to climb the poles and climb that wooden pole and get to the top and then he would work on it. And he would have a few comments extra to make to the fellow. It's not his fault that, that uh, things became more innovative, but... But he climbed that pole, and the way that my dad climbed that pole is with he had spikes on his shoes, and he had a special belt, and that belt wrapped around him, and that belt also wrapped around the pole, and he went up the pole. My dad loved having new guys on the job. They would... Start to, you have to start somewhere. And they all have their first time of climbing the pole. And the tendency was to grab that pole and hug it on the way down. And they just started sliding. They had long pants on and they had long sleeve shirts on. But nevertheless, that did not stop the splintering in the flesh in their arms and in their chest all the way down that pole. They would scream every time. And my dad would laugh every time. See, the way you're supposed to come down that pole is by taking this belt that's wrapped around you and wrapped around the pole and you lean back on this belt. You de depend on this belt that it will hold you. And not only when you leaned on the belt would it hold you, but it would cause the spikes to dig into the pole. And it would became very sturdy when you would trust in the belt and slowly go down the pole one step at a time. 
You had to rest your weight on the belt in order to have a, a safe procedure, if you will, on the utility pole. You had to trust the belt so that the spikes could dig into the pole. Too many Christians today seem to be walking around not trusting in the Lord. And as a result, there are painful splinters in their lives. Sometimes I get a little bitty splinter in my hand and I, I just I gouge it till I almost infect my finger. They're hard to get out. Once they have been lodged in there and it's very painful and I can walk around with this splinter causing me pain so much longer than I usually care to go around in that way. Day after day, there are painful things that are sticking us and and we don't get it sometimes. Sometimes we're asking why this is going on. And sometimes we are wondering what God's going to do about something that, that we think that, that it's, it's in His hands and, and He, we, He just needs to do something. And the answer and what needs to be done Many times is that we need to trust in the Lord. Are you trusting the Lord daily? I can say through difficulties, are you trusting the Lord? But in life, life hands it's its own heavy baggage to us every day. Are you trusting the Lord in this life that you are living? Are you leaning back on the belt of truth? Are your loins being girt about? And are you digging into a life of dependence on the Lord. Are you trusting Him? He's the reason why we're here today. He's who we came to worship. As we considered even the words of the songs. I love God's music more than any music at all. I stand in all of you. Do, do you? Because He's worthy are you trusting Him? Yes? No? Yes? Yes. How do you know? How do you know that you are trusting in the Lord? There are four things we're going to look at. Maybe five. I don't remember. But, but nevertheless... We're going to talk about some things that's going to be going on in the life if we are truly trusting in the Lord. Because, because 
I don't know about you. I've been in a place where I've said, I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know if I am or not. For a couple of ways to know today. First is going to be a life of rest. Look at verse 43. And, and there is going to be a life of rest. Look at the second part of verse 43 particularly. For I have hoped in thy judgments. I thought about, I thought about this psalmist through these songs that we sang this morning. I have hoped in thy judgments. That word hope means that, that he has waited. Let, let, let's break down that word judgments just real simple. The decisions God makes and what God says. I have waited because of the things you have said. The decisions you have made for me and shall make for me. I wait upon them. A life of rest is found by you being supported on the Word of God, by the Word of God. For you and I to stand on the promises of God's holy Word, of the truths of the Scriptures. Worrying is turned into waiting. A patient waiting. A resting. When our hope when our hope, when we are waiting because of what we confidently find in the Scriptures. When we, we are resting in God, when we are trusting in what He has said. It says it this way in Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. How do we know? How do we know we're resting on what God has said? How do we know we are waiting on the decisions God has already made, what He's already put in place, what God says? How do we know? Well, back up to the beginning of verse 43. Take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. How do we know that we're waiting upon the Lord by trusting in His Word? How do we know? Because what's coming out of our mouth is what God has said. We are claiming His promises. We are standing on them daily, no matter what. That's what is going... That's one way you can know. By what comes out of our mouth during whatever we're going through in life. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. God is good on the mountaintop and He's good in the valley. He's good. He's going to do whatever He wants to do. I heard a testimony this week of someone that had cancer and they did not ask. Their testimony is they did not ask or bug or beg God to cure them of cancer. This person said, whatever you have in store, I'm going to trust you.
we're going to be saying what God says when we truly trust Him. What word is in your mouth before you receive an answer from God? What word is in your mouth before the victory? What word is in your mouth before God changes your situation? What word is in your mouth as you can consider that God may never change your situation, but give you the grace to deal with it? We can learn to live with what what is in your mouth in the midst. If your words were taken away from you, what would be absent? Mute. I'd like to do that to some people sometimes. Uh, but if your words were taken away, what would be absent? Doubt. Despair. Discouragement. Is that what we would no longer hear anymore if your words were taken away? Or would they be words of encouragement, enablement, and exaltation of our God no matter what? Which would it be? If we were told that our vocabulary was, was limited to one subject, one subject, and from now on, you could only speak of that one subject and everything within that subject for the rest of your life. What would it be? I hope we would choose the Word of God. There's no better word that you and I are going to be able to hear. I tell you what, there are those, there are those Christians who become real smart in the word, and I mean that in a good way and a bad way, maybe, but but a good way too. And they can really talk to the atheist, and they can really take us through the universe and talk about all of these details to put that atheist in their place. I like that. You know what I also love? The young Christian. That's a young brand new student. And keeps it simple. And says my trust is in the Lord. I trust in His Word. In the beginning, God created. Period, sir. If you don't mind. And not going much further. I stop right there. It's a joy. It's a joy to speak Christ. Think about a limited vocabulary and you had to choose. Think about what if the word of truth was taken out of our mouth? How much can we appreciate right now that we can speak Christ? We get so nervous when we start witnessing to someone. And you know what I'm talking about. We get so nervous when we start. But after we finished, no matter what the results, it's peace within. It is such a good feeling. It is such a joy to be able to speak Christ and to live a life of rest. But not only do we see a life of rest is going to be a way that we know that we are trusting in the Lord. Are you living a life of relentlessness? Look at verse 
44 and verse 45. So shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. There's no intermission. Your Christian life. There's, there's no intermission given there. There's no pause. There's no buts here. There's no, but you don't realize what's going on, God. There is nothing like that at all. To wait upon the Lord does not mean for you and I to wilt in nothingness. When you go to the doctor's office. You have to wait. And there's nothing you can do. Everybody can do a whole lot of things on a phone, I guess. But you can't really enjoy it. Because you want to get in that doctor's office. And you want to get out of that doctor's office. And you want to go back to what you're doing. All you can really do is in a torturous way, wait. Every time they called a patient from the door, granddaddy used to run to the right. He knew they weren't calling his name. Uh, is that me? Is that me? He was just trying to rush them because he didn't want to wait. He could do nothing but sit there and wait. By the, I hope I don't get in trouble for this. But by the way, Pastor Stone, he's, he's blazed out of the doctor's office when it's been an hour. He has a cutoff time. Confident trust leads to continuing the task. We're talking about a continuancy. Where, what did he say? So shall I keep thy law. When? How long? When? What kind of way? Continually, forever and forever. It's being ever so careful with the teachings of our Lord and following them constantly in our lives. When we're resting in the Lord, we're going to be relentless in works. How do you know that you're trusting in the Lord? Because you just can't stop. You just can't stop serving Him. You just go on and on no matter what. When you're trusting Him, when you are tempted to lay Paralyzed, if you will, not really, but in a just, just almost like you're in a coma, in a fetal position in the bed. The power of God's truth. The, the 119th Psalm, every, every verse has something about God's truth in it, the Word of God. And, 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 and so when you are, when you are in a condition where you're tempted to quit or you're tempted to just freeze up, the power of truth will urge you to devote yourself to constant duty to the Lord. It's going to be endless. Endlessly you shall serve the Lord. We won't consider stopping. I'm not making light of things people have been through that I've never been through in my life. I'm just talking about a weighty, worthy God. And what He has said, He will do through us. Verse 45, we're still talking about a relentless life. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. Continually serving without stopping, no matter what. Why wouldn't we? 
Why wouldn't we? We're free to do so. There was a time that I would drive home from work. Years ago, if it makes you feel better, it was before I was saved. But there was a time I'd drive home from work and I had an aim. I'm going to go in and my wife and I are going to be able to talk and we're not going to argue. Yes, young and married be rough. We're not going to argue. I'm not going to. I don't know what she's do. She's going to do, but I'm not going to. Three minutes go by and hit the fan. It was only 2.8 miles to work. Maybe I just needed a longer drive to get home, huh? I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't free to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I wasn't. I wasn't free to do the things of God. But in Christ Jesus, you have liberty. You are free. To be able. The world can't do it. The unsaved can't do it. But the child of God is free to serve the living God. Because He lives within you. That word liberty, it means wide. And it means broad. And we are free to do all the things that God has given us to be able to do. Praise God for freedom to be able to live for Him. To be able to relentlessly live for the Lord no matter what. We're free to walk in all of His ways. We are not bound by a law. We are led by the Holy Spirit to ease, to easy, easily... I, I had trouble saying that because sometimes we think it's not so easy. But... But, but, but serving the Lord, I know there are struggles. I know there are many things that Paul prepared Timothy for. And there are many roadblocks that will try to get in the way. But I won't tell you something this morning like I'm somebody. All right? That's because it's his word, not mine. It's, it's not as hard to serve the Lord as the Christian jargon and what people say. It's not... It's not, it's not as hard when you think about what God said versus what we think within our little pool of conversation. It's not that hard. We don't sneak in fear as we serve the Lord as Christians. We stride in love. It can be like flowing water, your service to the Lord. It can. Our duty can be free and easy when we are. How do we know we're trusting the Lord? That's how there's another way. There's another way because it's going to be easier. It's not going to be such a fight and such a strain. Our duty can be free and easy when we are depending on God. We have our struggles and service, but it's not hard to serve the Lord. I say that because Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, 
and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light for you. A well-fitting yoke for you to get in with Jesus and to serve. How hard is it for the, for the young ox when the big, older, mature one has been training him and he's, he keeps looking over and he's stuck with him. He, he doesn't know what's going on in his back, but he's stuck with him and he just starts doing what the other is doing. Get in the yoke with Jesus and it's not as hard to serve as one might think. How do we know when we're trusting in the Lord? Well, there's a language. We're back to the words that come out of our mouth now. There is a language that's reinforced. Look in verse 46. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Sometimes I'm sitting in the living room with Shelly and McKenna and Kenley and I'm not mad. Nobody's mad. We're just having a conversation. We're just chatting. And I believe all of the three. I know Shelly and McKenna has. Dad, why are you talking so loud? I guess I, I don't know if I have a hearing problem or that'll, that'll help out with another situation. That wouldn't be selective hearing, maybe. But I, I don't I don't know why I talk so loud. I'm sure that's annoying just in everyday conversation. But I tell you something about our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you are walking and trusting him, you have something to be very loud about, very loud about. Boldness. The psalmist is bold, we see here. The psalmist is courageous with the truth among higher authority. The civil authority of that day, let's say, for one little branch. Psalmist can't help but talk about the Word of God and the testimony of our Lord. He talks about him no matter where he is. It doesn't seem like the wisest idea sometimes for him, but but he just can't help it. He wants to make known what he owns in the Lord Jesus Christ. So will we. When we're trusting in the Lord, that's what we're going to be doing. We want to know. We really do want to know if we're trusting in the Lord. And that's something that's going to happen. Some of us need to give our HR department a hard time. We need to leave them on the edge of their seat. Just wait. They're going to have to talk to us sooner or later because we just can't shut up about our faith. I don't mean test it. I just mean we're so passionate about the Lord that we just can't. We just can't stop talking about Him. How about this? How about if the HR department is just so stirred up because they keep seeing this bright light in our lives, even when we don't say anything, and it bothers them? A language that's reinforced. Don't purposely test 
but because of passionate trust, you are going to tell of the testimonies of the, of the Lord. When we declare God's truth, we will never be disappointed. We will never be put to shame. Do you, do you see that? And, and I will speak of that testimonies also before kings, kings and will not be ashamed. A language that's reinforced. Verse 47, keep going. Because we see a love that is real. How do you know that you've trusted the Lord? Because you're not trying to arm wrestle Him and convince Him that you're a child of God that's trusting Him. Because there's a love that is real. And I will delight myself in Thy commandments, which I have loved. This is a really big division of this psalm, the 119th psalm. And there's a whole bunch of verses in this psalm. But anytime anyone mentions the 119th psalm, one thing comes to my mind out of everything you find in that psalm. And that is when the psalmist says, I love thy law. I love the word of God. Is what he's saying. Do you love following the Lord and his word? Some professing Christians. Act like their splinters are the word of God. Don't get me wrong. We're we're convicted and and I get convicted by the word of God and we all do. But some act like they, they just don't want it. I run across people and they'll say, well, what do you believe about this gray area subject? And I'll quote scripture and they don't like it. Some people think the word of God are the are these annoying splinters in their lives. Can you imagine a kite in the air? You fly this kite. I mean, you're 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 really sacrificing for this kite. You're struggling. You're running as fast as you can to get that thing going in there. You're trying. You're guiding it away from the trees. You're doing what you can so the kite can just freely fly. There's a string that's attached to that kite and it comes down to this spool that's in your hand and you're connected. Can you imagine that kite? Here's some Christians today are this kite. And this kite says, if I could just break loose, I could go through the clouds and I could go wherever I want and I could do whatever I want to do. This is a fleshly kite. And I just could have this freedom to do whatever. Just just break this line. See what happens. What's going what's gonna to happen if you let go of the kite string? It's exactly the word I was thinking of. Crash. Are you thankful for what a very interested, concerned father does in our lives by guiding us? 
and not letting us go astray without getting miserable, our lives will crash. Do you love Him? Do you love what God's Word does for you? The psalmist, he loves it. He loves it. If we're trusting the Lord, we're loving His law. If we're trusting in the Lord, we love His law. We are bare and empty going a day without it in some way. We love it when we're trusting Him. There's no comfort of the promises of God if there's no commitment to His precepts. A level of respect. I might start closing. Verse 48. A level of respect. My hands also will I lift up Unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. The golf tournament is this place you go to, and no one's loud, and no one's rowdy, and everybody walks in the path they should. Very respectably. And a whole, a whole stadium of, of people sitting there and is relatively quiet with mild conversation going on. And then it comes time for someone to tee off or someone to put the ball. And there's these guys all over the place and they do this. And when they do that, it gets this quiet. I, I tried to just walk. I wasn't in the vision of the person golfing. And I tried to walk just a little bit. And somebody went. <laughs> and I stopped. I shouldn't have made this statement. But I said this. More respect on the golf course than in some churches. A level of respect. Can you be more respectful about anything or to anyone than God? Can you exalt anything above your God? Remember that an idol today is anything that comes between us and God. Can you put anything in front of Him? Is there any event comparable to the worship service where we exalt the Lord? I was thinking about these guys in these flat caps and these fancy little tennis shoes with spikes on the bottom. And I'm thinking, you ought to come to church with me if you think this is something to respect. You ought to come worship the Lord God. There's no other event where there should be more respect. When we're trusting the Lord, we are silently reflecting 
On the word that is preached, we celebrate in the soul through song and we deeply consider our God and who he is and we stand in awe of him. My hands also will I lift up. There's there's nothing wrong with that. Some Baptist churches might think so, but I believe they're wrong and there's nothing wrong with lifting your hands in worship. I I tell you what, I'm going to put my two cents in on what attitude ought ought to be going on inside if we're, we're lifting our hands in worship to God. I'm a little baby and I can do nothing by myself, God. Please pick me up. But what's more important than lifting the hands in worship? Sometimes that's sincere, sometimes that's a show. But when there is a heart that is open to God, when there is, when there is within you and I a longing for our need of God. We have, we have men that are watching over this sanctuary and watching over this property all the time. We ought to not notice a skunk on the head of someone next to us. When we're worshiping the Lord. We will be in complete awe when we're trusting him. When we're trusting the one being worshiped. I want to go on, but but let's go back to 41, verse 41, and let's start closing. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. Let thy mercies come also unto me. We've been talking about worship and witness and working and walking with the Lord. And then and then we come across this word salvation in verse 41. And that word salvation is for the people of God a lot of times. It means to be delivered. It means the people of God are delivered whenever God freed the children of Israel out of out of Egypt. He delivered them. But that word salvation also means salvation. As in, for the unsaved to be forgiven of all their sins and made alive in Christ. As we talk about all of these things today, someone's left out of the possibility to be able to do any of them. And that would be because you haven't met mercy. The mercies of God is come unto me. Have you met God's mercy? God's compassionate, kind, faithful love that went to the cross at Calvary and gave his life for all of your sins instead of giving you what you deserve. He offers eternal life to you today. 
and you have an anchor in life after that. That's your sanctification. And all of these things sound wonderful, but where the rubber's going to meet the road for you today is to say and understand as you're drawn by God, I've never met this mercy. I do not have peace of standing before God. Perfect attendance at a church service is not going to do it. Nothing will except receiving His mercy. The Bible says, according to His mercy, He has saved us. Would you receive the merciful Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior today? And later on, could be, could be very soon. It's later for some, it doesn't have to be, but a life of trust in Him and peace that at the end of this life, you're going to heaven. And whatever happens in this life, you're, you're, you're thinking about graduation and retirement. That, that's, that's one way you're encouraged. But you're able to stand on His promises in this life. No matter what. It's a constant life. It's unbelievable that you just won't quit serving God no matter what you go through. Whatever happens, will you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today? Do you know that you know Him? The Bible says the Holy Spirit beareth witness with our spirit. that we are the children of God. Do you know Him? Do you know Him today? There's, there's nothing more important. I could give a flip what someone was thinking next to me the day I was saved. I could, I could care less. God, if God's saving you, there's no stopping it. If you'll, just, if you'll just trust Him. If you'll just trust Him. Will you trust Him today? Will you be saved from your sins? It's hard to close, but it's, it's your time with God now. It's your time with God. Let us pray. Holy and righteous Father in heaven. Dear God, we come before you this morning. Dear God, we we love you. I thank you, dear God, that we can that we can trust you absolutely and you will never fail us. We'll never be ashamed. You'll never let us down. I thank you that we can know if we're trusting you. Your word speaks to us to let us know where we are. I thank you for where you want us to be, Lord. I thank you for what you have provided for us, for the place that we can be in with you. And dear God, may we trust our lives to you every day, all the time, Father. And Lord, for the one or maybe many here today that they're empty, that they've tried things and they've tried and they've tried and they've even prayed and they've prayed, but they've never trusted. They've really never been saved. Father, because of your mercy, We call upon your your compassionate, kind love to us through Jesus Christ that one might be washed in the blood of the Lamb, 
white as snow of all their sins today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Would you please stand?